Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks so much for being here. If you're new, welcome. Glad you made it. Uh, there's heaps of episodes. This is episode 50. Episode 50. We made it. Well, almost. Uh, but there's heaps of other episodes. Uh, if you'd be so kind and check out some earlier ones, that'd be ace. Thanks for being here. This is a weekly conversation with someone that I find really inspiring. That's it. If it goes well, it's a conversation that will hopefully inspire you too. That's all I want. Today's guest my goodness, international Australian sporting hero, cricket legend, Greg Chappell. That's right. Greg Chappell came on my show. My goodness. More about that in a moment. Only two weeks from now, you'll be listening to the first anniversary version of this show, and I would love to answer your questions about me, about life, about anything, really. I'll answer anything that I can. Send your emails, questions to, send your email questions to email at gmail.com. Really easy. Or just reply to the uh, mailing list that you can find at osherginsberg.com. I will also be able to respond to your questions there. Or leave me a voicemail, which I'm getting some great ones of, but I'd love some more. osherginsberg.com. On the right-hand side, there's an app. Just leave me a voicemail, and I'd love to get your voice on the show. If you could do me a solid this week, that'd really help me out. If you could just tell a friend about this show, send them the link, tweet it out, repost a link, whatever. That would be of enormous, enormous help to me. I'm still in Amsterdam. I'm in an Airbnb, as I do here i love it it's really really nice finishing up going to school here which i'm really enjoying it's a fabulous part of the world it's a city that runs on bikes it's wonderful to see um there's a lot of arguments about more cars more freeways and then you know you kind of get here and go well you don't have to you can do it another way certainly when you see women my mum's age women are definitely up in their 70s cycling home from the supermarket with the groceries on the back of their push bikes you think, oh my goodness, it's staying active. There's, you know, no car. You don't have to buy a car or spend money on petrol. Mums and dads riding around with the you know, the small kid on the seat in the front, and the big kid on the seat in the back. No minivans. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome digging on it. 
Um, I got on my road bike yesterday, just a cheeky 50K, the first since I've been quite sick. If, you're, if you've been listening to the show, you know I got real sick. Uh, so that was the first time I've been out on a long one since I got ill and it really, really helped my headspace. Um, it is such an important part of how I manage the brain that I was born with alongside the team of professionals that I talk to about what goes on between my ears, also um, the medication that I'm on and uh, the spiritual practice that I follow towards passion and purpose. If if I miss my exercise, which is a crucial part of all those things, if I miss my exercise, it all goes pear-shaped. If I miss any of those things, it all goes pear-shaped. But it also it didn't hurt that I was cycling in a country with approximately 40,000 kilometers of dedicated bike paths. Um, I was going past pictures, postcard, picture postcard villages and farms and windmills and dikes and boats and canals and wildlife and just scores of happy outdoorsy Dutch people doing happy outdoorsy Dutch things. It was pretty great. And it helps me sleep as well. If you don't sleep, you got nothing. Um, also, if you don't eat right, you got nothing. And, and speaking of eating right, I cannot tell you how excited I am about my guest this week. He is the catalyst behind my personal journey towards a plant-based lifestyle. He is the main reason that I eat the way that I do. He is Australian cricket legend, international sporting superstar, Greg Chappell. When I was about 24, I read his book, which is called The Health and Fitness Repair Manual, A Book for Men. Now, he was, I've been flirting with um, eating plant-based, but he was this childhood sporting hero, a man who was pretty much, you know, he was like Superman. He was a demigod to me as a kid. He represented everything that was big and tough and macho. He even had the mustache to match. Here is this guy writing a book about eating plant-based and saying that in his 40s, he was fitter and healthier than when he was playing first-class international cricket and considered the best batsman in the world. So I thought, well, geez, if it works for him, (laughs) I gave it a shot and it's been that way since. He's still very connected with cricket. I went to meet him at the Cricket Australia offices in Brisbane, where he works very closely in the development of the sport, both here and internationally. And um, just to give you a clue um, of the stature of this man, in the email exchange leading up to us meeting, uh, it was back and forth, back and forth, and he sends me the address. Oh, yeah, just come and meet me around 4 o'clock. It's at Cricket Australia. It's at number 20, Greg Chapel Drive. <laughs> Imagine going to work every day in a building that is on a street named after you. Yeah, <laughs> that gives you an idea of this guy. He was very, very generous with his time. And you'll hear that he speaks with the gravity and wisdom that is uncommon amongst people. But his perspective on diet, aging, and vitality into our senior years is something that I hope will do for you what he has done for me. But like he says, you can only provide people with information and from there, it's up to them. So I really hope you listen to this with open ears and an open mind. Um, we do talk a bit about cricket, quite a bit about cricket and backyard cricket um, to make my little brother very happy, I'm sure. It's not often that you get to meet your heroes. Here's what happened when I met one of mine. Thanks, man. I'll let me I'll sort that out. I, uh, I can't quite tell you how much of a thrill it is to be no, here. Thank you, man. <laughs> like, it really, it was only less than a kilometre from where we are that I first read your book. Oh, really? Yeah, at the radio station B105 where I used yeah, yeah. to work at, at okay. Bowen Hills. Mm. Amazing. Remember, it came in and it was sitting on um, it was sitting on the desk at the in the jocks room. I, I think it was only... Um, uh, Maybe two years after I started being a kind of vegetarian mm-hmm. or was just kind of fleeting with the idea of yep. eating less meat and um, I read your book and it was, uh, I remember picking it up, it was uh, men's, that's right, the Health and Fitness Repair Manual, a yep. book for men. I remember reading it and the thing that had turned me off of the vegetarianism or the plant-based diet was it was always, it came with dreadlocks and it came with vivisection pictures mm. and it came with people showing me chicken videos and stuff like that and then when i saw you i was like you're vegan or <laughs> you're plant-based so i'm really grateful to be here <laughs> well yeah i mean it's a, it's a funny world isn't it um i wouldn't have seen myself being that way anyway 
uh, years before, but uh, it's amazing where your journey takes you. So, well, you're the kind of catalyst for me. I'd already been kind of my girlfriend at the time was lactose intolerant, so I hadn't eaten dairy for a while. And so when I read that book, that was like, well, okay, I'm done. I don't mm. need this anymore. What was the catalyst for you? Uh, the catalysts for me, there were probably different catalysts at different stages. Um, I, I'd grown up uh, in the you know, 50s and, and the 60s um, eating basically fried food, um, a lot of dairy was almost compulsory, uh, was delivered to our school every day and you know, I was milk monitor one year at, at primary school. What did that mean? meant that we had to collect the milk when, the, when they dropped it off um, and bring it up and deliver it around to the, um, the different classrooms. Uh, the old, they were only the, the small milk bottles, um, but milk in those days, you know, you'd take the gold cap off the, the bottle or whatever and there'd be that much, you know, there'd be a couple of centimetres of um, cream sitting on top of the, the milk. In fact, I think that milk was probably better for us than the milk that's produced today, to be mm. honest. Um, most of the reading that I've done suggests that um, uh, you know, the, the way it's treated is more about making it have a shelf life rather than be better better for us. I mean, it's been homogenised and basically all the the goodness has has been taken out of it. But anyway, I mean, uh, at primary school, you know, we'd have they'd give us a, a small bottle of milk for morning tea every day. Um, I've always been long and lean, so I've been trying to put weight on all my life um so as a kid i had a lot of dairy products particularly milkshakes cheese um to to try and bulk up a bit um suffered from um ear infections throat infections a lot as a as a kid um but no one ever thought anything of it no, they just wanted to put you on antibiotics. Uh, I, I grew up in an era when they didn't take tonsils out. My older brother had his tonsils taken out um, as a probably a five-year-old. Um, I had my tonsils taken out as a 29-year-old. <laughs> um, wasn't, um, wasn't ideal. Um, should have probably, if I was going to have them out, should have had them out much, much earlier. But what I shouldn't have had was dairy products and um, because at, uh, in my late 20s, probably 27, I think. Uh, I had a neck injury from baseball days. I was caught in a rundown play between third and home base and in the end finished up trying to get back to third base. The catcher was chasing me, sort of dived on top of me and drove me into the into the ground, sort of right shoulder into the ground and head over the, the top of it. Thankfully, it was a it had been a reasonably wet day and the ground was, was soft, but, you know, I woke up the next day with a stiff neck and yeah you didn't I didn't have any treatment for it there was no one to treat it basically so you know let it go and it'll get better and it, it sort of got better um but years later it was giving me trouble particularly bowling in in cricket matches um and and from time to time I'd wake up with a stiff neck Dennis Lilly um had had back problems obviously uh, he'd got into chiropractic uh, we were playing in Perth um, he had a chiropractor, Noel, I'll think of his name in a minute, but um, Noel was, came into the dressing room. We were playing a test match, obviously, and he came in one day to see Dennis and was doing a bit of work on Dennis in the back of the, the dressing room. And I said to him, and I'd been having trouble with my neck just prior to that, and I said to him, would you mind having a look at my neck, see if you can do anything, do anything for it? And he had me sit in a chair and he came up behind me and he just sort of, jiggled my neck a little bit and just went crunch and whoa that feels better <laughs> uh, I was living in Brisbane at the time and I said to him um, do you have anyone you could um, recommend me to in Brisbane Noel Patterson was his name Noel said yes I've got a mate Keith Christensen I'll put you on to uh, on to him um he was in Queen Street in, in Brisbane. I went to see him and as a new patient, I had to fill in out my health history. So I was finally shown into his um, into a cubicle where he uh, had a chat to me and he said, okay, well, we'll fix up your neck and then he'll talk to you about your, your diet. So he fixed up my, my neck and sort of... Just to give people an idea of like where you are at this time, at 29 years old, mm. you're 
considered one of the premier cricketers on the planet, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I was um, captain of the Australian cricket team at that yeah. stage. Um, <laughs> so when someone yeah. says about your diet, you're like, hey, it's yeah. going pretty well for me right now. I'm the best sportsman of my generation right about yeah. now. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, up to that point, I thought food was food. I mean, it's just like fuel. You stick it in, you, you just you eat to stay alive sort of thing. I, no one had ever talked to me about diet for health and how it impacted on health. And, and Keith sat me down afterwards and said, okay, now we'll talk to you about your diet. Um, ran through a whole lot of things. He said, you know, I said, what, what do you mean about the diet? And he said, well, you don't think you got all this by accident, do you? Um, so, okay, tell me about it. So he told me about it and he gave me some reading matter to take home. And, and you'll appreciate this because the, um, the one piece of the information that he gave me that really impacted on, on me was a study done at UCLA. Uh -huh. uh, on the track team at UCLA at the, the time in the, the 70s. Um, I imagine uh, Carl Lewis might have even been on that team at uh, that stage. Anyway, they'd done this survey or the, this research into health of the uh, and fitness for the UCLA, UCLA track team uh, on dairy products and off dairy products. And the message that came home to me was that these guys – um, they could train longer, they could recover faster, they could do more training. Um, basically, they were twice as fit on, you know, aerobically fit off dairy products as they were on dairy products. And I was sort of in the latter stages of my cricket, cricket career and, you know, in those days we didn't get paid a lot to play cricket. I had a real job outside of cricket, had uh, with partners my own business. Um, so if I wasn't playing cricket or on cricket tour, I was working, um, you know, I'd come home from an overseas tour and be in the office the next day so there was no sort of downtime, and we were building a new business or you know a young business so putting a lot of hours into that putting a lot of hours into my cricket I was finding it hard to fit in the time that I needed for training you know the extra sort of training so I um, um, I thought to myself when I read this that they were twice as aerobically fit off dairy products as on dairy products, I thought, you beaut, for half the training I can be as fit as I am now. So uh, <laughs> that would save me some time. But actually what I found was, and, and Keith um, t said to me that, you know, you'll be amazed at how quickly you notice a difference because the, the struggle for me was that apart from constantly being on antibiotics to combat, you know, infected throat or sinus or ears or whatever just to stay on the, on the field, um, you know, I was staggering during a cricket season, particularly the second half of the season when I'd get run down, I'd be staggering from one set of antibiotics to the next just to stay on the on the field. So it was debilitating and, and it was impacting on on my health and my fitness. It was like respiratory infections and things respiratory, like that? Respiratory, upper respiratory stuff, yeah. Oh. So it was, was knocking me around. And I found our fitness test in those days was a 15-minute run, you know, and a lot of the guys they'd be running sort of 14 laps in a, in a 15 minute time. So just on, you know, under 60 seconds sort of laps. You know, I was lucky to get 11, you know, on a good day, I might get 11 laps in, in that 15 minutes. Um, and interestingly enough, and Keith had said, you, you will be staggered how soon you notice the, the improvement. And it was, was within days. I'm, I'm thinking 48 hours, but it may have been three or four days. It certainly was inside a week. Um, when I, because I thought, well, you know, as I said, for half the training, I can be as fit as I am now. I'm prepared to go off dairy products for 30 days and give it a try, because I thought it didn't take that long to to get any um, any noticeable impact. I think within 48 hours we had a fitness test, um, and we started out on this 15 minute run around the Gabba, and I started out at the usual pace because it used to, you know, after two or three laps, I'd start to get the stitch. Um, then my, my thighs would start to ache, you know, my legs would start to, to ache and I'd be just really struggling for, for breath within, you know, a few, a few laps. So I started out on the, the usual pace, to, you know, expecting the, the stitch to start and then the pain in the chest and the pain in the legs. And I got three laps, nothing, four laps, nothing, five laps, nothing. And so I started to, to pick up the pace. I, I think, um, you know, I added about 50% to my best run uh, in the first run. And, I, and had I known that I was going to feel that good, I probably could have been up with the with the leaders. So instead of finishing at the back of the pack, I was 
now up in the, the second tier behind the real good runners. And what I found was that I actually trained more because it wasn't hurting me. I was starting to enjoy it and get the benefits from it. So it was almost immediate. So that was the, the first sort of catalyst that happened in my late 20s. Then in my mid-30s, our father died at uh, 64 years of age. Uh, I was with him when he had – we were playing golf together actually when he had the first heart attack um, at 64. And he'd been a you know a keen sportsman and he'd played sport right – uh, through the year, cricket in the summer, baseball in the winter for, until he was 40. And from the day he stopped playing sport, he, I never saw him get out of a gallop ever again. Um, he did smoke up until his, uh, to his mid-40s probably. Um, and, you know, he grew up, he, he loved his offal. Um, I can remember as, as kids he would, you know, he would cook breakfast on, on Saturday and it'd either be brains on toast or uh, something of, of that nature, tripe, a lot of tripe. I don't even know what tripe is, but um, I got to, you know, and so he, I was absolutely convinced that it was lifestyle that had brought his life to a, an untimely end. I mean, his, his mother lived well into her 90s. His sister lived well into her 90s. Um, there was quite a, lot, a bit of, quite a lot of longevity in the, in the family, but he died at 64. I decided there and then that I wasn't going to wait until I was in middle age to have some doctor tell me I had to change my lifestyle. I thought that it would be better if I made that choice myself. So dairy products was the, the first to go. Then obviously um, things like red meat. Um, so I was eating white meat, fish um, for, for a number of years. And then um, in my... Uh, 40s uh, would have been again mid 40s so it seems almost like a every decade I'd made a change we were living in uh, Canberra at the time we'd left Brisbane I'd sold my business here and uh, anyway uh, my wife who is originally from Sydney um, was really really struggled with the humidity in the summer in Brisbane so uh, she said to me one day after we'd sold the business, why are we living here? And I said, well, because we live here. You know, that's our home. <laughs> I said, why? And she said, well, you know, I don't want to live here any longer. I said, where do you want to go? She said, well, somewhere cooler. Said, okay, where's that? She said, uh, Canberra. And I said, well, that's cooler. Um, <laughs> Judy's sister lives in Canberra. Has All right. Own. Just to paint the picture a bit for folks listening overseas, Canberra is this, uh, it's the capital of our nation. It's between Sydney and Melbourne. There was nothing there before it. They just plopped it in the middle of these two states. It's a sheep farm, I think, before. Yeah, and it's cold <laughs> in the winter. Yeah, wintertime uh, below zero, yeah. which for our northern hemisphere friends probably doesn't uh, sound very cold, but for Australia that's cold. Yeah. It's 700 feet above sea level, I think, and it's in a, in a valley, so uh, the winter mornings are, are cold. But the days, are, because it's inland, it's clear and sunny i i quite enjoyed the, the climate in canberra more than i thought i would because at least it was predictable it was consistent you know uh -huh. and, and uh, whilst it was cold it wasn't wet i i think cold and wet i struggle with crisp cold weather that you know is going to get a bit better during the day i i didn't mind so much but we were in living in canberra um our eldest son was at the defense force academy in in canberra at that stage so it suited i thought well I had a business in Sydney by that stage, so uh -huh. was commuting a few days from Brisbane to, to Sydney by aeroplane. I thought released from Canberra, you know, two and a half, three hour drive, I could be there. So thought give it a go. Um, we'd only been there a, a short time. Uh, Judy, my wife, was going to the, the gym um, trying to lose weight. And in fact, she found she put weight on um, because she was adding muscle and muscle's heavier than fat so while she you know she uh, her body shape was improving the weight wasn't getting any less and one day she was having a coffee with her gym mates after after the gym and this chap that was known to the the group stopped and had a had a chat to her he was a fellow who'd moved to Australia from Hungary um, as a young man um, in his 20s I think and he'd been a vegan all of his life except for the few years that he was in had national service in Hungary he was a plant botanist with the CSIRO in, in Canberra, so uh, a scientist. And he was talking to Judy and, you know, why do you go to the gym? You know, I want to lose weight. Um, 
talked to her about diet and um, said, you know, I'd like to have a talk to you about it at some stage um, so I can show you how you can achieve the health that you want and, and lose, lose weight, get your body back to the, its ideal mm -hmm. weight. So uh, she had a chat to, um, to him and then uh, came home to me and said, well, look, I think you should meet this, this fellow. He's very interesting. As I say, he'd, he'd grown up in um, in Hungary um, during the uh, the war there. Um, they the family was his family. I think the father was a doctor, so he was sort of you know well respected in the in the community. And they had a an Indian fellow who taught at the the local school. Um, and when the war started, the the foreigners had to be interred. Um, but his father, having a bit of influence, said, "Well, look, can he come and live with us? We'll, you know, we'll keep him safe and make sure he doesn't cause any problems." Um, so he not only um, did, you know, homeschooling for um, um, I can't even think of his name at the moment, but that will come to me in a minute. But um, uh, and also cooked for the family, and because he was a pure vegetarian, that's what he cooked for the for the family. So you know, the the child was was quite young at the time. So from five years of age, or you know, maybe a bit older, apart from the two years that he was in national service in the army, he'd he'd been a, a vegan, and because he was a scientist and understood plants and plant bot, uh, you know, botanist. Um, I went and, and met him. What he uh, suggested to Judy was that she do a 40-day fast, um, 32 days on uh, basically liquids and then, um, sorry, eight days on, on liquids and then 32 days on a pure plant-based diet, you see. So she decided she was going to do it and I thought, well, it's a bit unfair if she has to do it on her own and then cook meals for me as, as well as for her so I thought well you know if you can do it I can do it mind you I thought eight days on liquids that's that's going to be a a bit of a challenge um but it was herbal teas broth um fruit juices and so on but the important thing was that um you know if you try and live on plants alone you'd you get very hungry and very tired very quickly so ginseng, I know, was one of the additives into the um, into the uh, broths and the uh, the herbal teas. Um, there was um, soy sauce and things like that for a bit of flavour. But basically, you cooked up, boiled up the vegetables in water and threw the vegetables away, and, huh. and you know, ate, drank the broth. All the goodness, the nutrition from the vegetables was in the was in the broth. I was staggered. Um, I got through the eight days quite comfortably and I was working at the time so I mean I was wasn't like I was lying down in between times so I was working full days and I was expecting to be tired and you know run out of puff pretty quickly but I was staggered how I got through the eight days quite comfortably by the end of the eight days I wanted to choose something I, I, I was a bit sick of just having liquids but from a health point of view I think the only thing I said, is there anything I should watch out for? And he said, yes. He said, on the fourth or fifth day, you shouldn't stray too far from the bathroom because the, the eight-day liquid was a cleanse basically and um, he said at some stage your body will void a whole heap of toxins and useless stuff that will come out of your, your system. And I'd forgotten about it and I was up in Sydney actually working, staying with a friend of mine at Neutral Bay and... Um, I went back to his place at the end of a day's work and I was um, – he'd also taught us some yoga. I mean I'd been doing my own sort of yoga for a number of years but um, he he showed us his brand of yoga and so I was back at my friend's apartment doing my yoga in the, in the early evening and all of a sudden I realised I had – I understood why he said don't stray too far from the bathroom and Unfortunately, I was about three paces from the bathroom because five would have been too many. Oy. And it was just a complete void, you know, and it was just amazing um, what came out of the, the body. Um, much of it was liquid because of the liquid diet, obviously. Um, but it was putrid, um, dark in colour and 
not the sort of environment you want to spend too much time in. But that, that the, stuff had been inside you. Absolutely, that had been in You've there. You've been walking around with it. Carrying it around with me. Um, I lost, well, and then the, and the next 32 days was pure vegetarian food. And again, he came around and showed Judy how to prepare the food, what went with what, because the important thing is on a plant-based diet is that, um, you know, you need to get, um, you know, the right sort of thing, you know, to build. You, most plants have protein in it, um, in them, uh, but, you know, you, to get enough protein and to get the right mix of proteins to, you know, build the building blocks for the for the body was was really important. Um, and, you know, so he showed Judy when you've got a... Uh, obviously things like pulses the peas and the uh, lentils and that sort of thing is good for the for the protein but you've got to mix it with either rice or nuts to get the right balance for the right building blocks for the for the body otherwise you you very quickly run out of energy and mm -hmm. you lose muscle very quickly i did lose some weight over that 40 days and that was a bit alarming for me because i've never been heavy anyway and you know, I don't want to be too light. And I was a bit alarmed that I was I thought I was losing too much weight. But he said, "Look, don't worry about it. The body will find its ideal weight, mm -hmm. and it will balance up very quickly to that that weight. So even if you go below it, it will very quickly get into balance, homeostasis, and um, you know you'll be the the ideal weight." So I did lose uh, did lose weight, but again, you know, it did stabilize, and I got some some weight back. But the thing that staggered me, I found it with when I got off the dairy products, how my energy levels went up. Um, I was no longer fighting this foreign body in my body. Um, but when I went to the pure vegetarian diet, um, I was eating probably one third of the volume of food. But I'd never had so much energy. Um, my skin had never been better. Um, my energy levels were probably the highest they'd ever been, and I was I was surviving on six hours sleep and waking up just leaping out of bed, ready to go. Whereas all through the, my life on dairy products, particularly, but even on animal product generally, I had eight hours sleep and wake up feeling like I needed another eight hours sleep. You know. I'd, to think, you know, I don't really feel like getting out of bed. But once I went on to the pure vegetarian diet, I, I couldn't get out of bed fast enough. If once I woke up, I was ready to go, and I could get out of bed and be going flat out from from the minute I got up. And um... ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Yeah, my energy levels even, you know, I'm verging 66 now. Um, I feel as good as I felt in my 40s, probably maybe even in my 30s, probably better than some of my 30s because um, I was still struggling a little bit um, during my early 30s, particularly with, uh, you know, with getting the health right. And uh, But from going to a pure vegetarian diet, I um, I felt like I'd gone from, low gear to high gear, in fact, in overdrive and um, was probably fitter in my and healthier in my 40s than I'd been at any stage in my life. Now, how did, that's an, an incredible story and that's, that's, you know, the story that inspired me. So when you talk about, when you say that, that after you finished your first class cricket career, you were fitter. 
mm. because of the way you're eating. And then how did that make you think about if you'd been eating that way when you were, you know, playing at the world level? Yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it, but, uh, you know. Jeez, we have very different brains. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't tend to live in uh, in hindsight. I, you know, I, I've never sort of spent a lot of time looking backwards. I tend to, to look forwards. But, yeah, at the odd moment I've thought about, well, it could have made a big difference um, to my energy levels and, you know, I was always... I was always reasonably fit during my my cricket career, um, but there were times, particularly uh, in that period, where I was staggering from one set of antibiotics to to the next, that um, my energy levels were down. I mean, to get through a day's cricket, um, you know, they were six hour days, you know, six hour playing days. We'd be at the you know at the the field probably for the best part of you know ten hours each each day. Um, preparing and then you know, at the end of the day another hour or so before you you fully left the ground um there were periods where i was going straight back to the hotel room service and 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 sleeping for 10 hours to get enough energy to get through the next day uh, when i went on to the, the plant-based diet or certainly when i gave dairy products away that was less of a problem um when i got onto the the plant-based diet i i never had a problem i mean as i say i got through on six hours sleep and had more than enough energy. See, the thing was that as um, was explained to us that, uh, you know, if you're eating animal product, uh, it's taking the equivalent amount of energy to digest the average Western meal as running 10 kilometres. So, you know, I was often going to bed with on, you know, been out to dinner, had a three-course meal, a few glasses of wine and waking up in the middle of the night and feeling my heart going at a million miles an hour. Um, so the body wasn't resting. It, it was working hard to digest that food. And the other thing I found when I was on, on animal product was that I would get through one meal and within, you know, an hour or so I'd need another meal. You know, I, I was eating four and five meals a day at different times, you know, smaller meals, but, you know, because I was so hungry. The other, what I found was that I didn't need to snack between meals when I went on to a plant-based diet because even though I, I was only having, um, you know, a, a fruit juice or some fruit for breakfast, um, I would have soup for lunch and I'd have a, a main meal in the, in the evening but it was all plant-based food. So, you know, it was only, you know, steamed vegetable type meal with some rice or something or a vegetable lasagna or something of that nature or a vegetable curry which uh, I loved then and I still love now in fact I had some for lunch today but um leftovers from from last <laughs> night but the um yeah I was eating as I say a third of the volume I wasn't hungry I wasn't tired uh, I wasn't in need of a meal because I was getting the right sort of nutrition because you know we knew what we had to mix with with what, um, you know the the average adult male needs a lot less protein than most of us think. I mean I think it, from memory it's about seventy five grams for, so the seventy five grams of protein is is not that much. It would be a you know a very small steak, uh, whereas most Western people are having a very very big you know they're probably having three hundred and fifty grams of steak, um, with a few vegetables on the on the side, you know. What what I'd learnt from most of my reading was that you know probably eighty twenty is a is a good mix you know eighty percent of plant based food and that's what I talked about in my book. People you know wanted me some groups wanted me to go full on about veganism in the book and I said look you know I don't feel that way you know I I'm doing this for for health reasons and and for my own choice I don't think it's my position to push it down somebody else's throat because most of the reading that I'd, I'd done and this is before the internet, you know, so I was actually having to get it from magazines and books and go and find the information, was that, you know, 80% plant-based food and 20% animal was, was about right. Um, you were unlikely to have too many health problems if you, if you stuck to that sort of uh, mix. But the average uh, Western diet's the opposite. It's 80% animal and 20% if you're lucky. Um, plant-based food so it's it's about keeping the blood ph level 
right? Yeah. In adult or in humans, it's around 7.2 from memory. Um, and if you keep it in that balance, it's unlikely that you're going to suffer most of the modern diseases. You know, you might have a, you know, a genetic predisposition for something um, or you might be unlucky and have an, an illness or an accident that, um, that causes you health problems. But the diet, as I found, was the most important predictor to, to whether you're going to have ill health in your life, particularly later in your life. And things like um, I was already finding it in my late 30s, I was starting, I had a um, bit of arthritis in, the, in one of my wrists, I can't even remember which one, and one of my ankles. Um, which I assume was just the result of years and years of sport, you know, year-round sport. But in fact, I, when I started reading, um, it was inherited from from having uh, an acidic system from too much animal product. So a lot of the the modern illnesses, are, you know, somebody once said to me, you know, some years ago, that the most important thing in your life is what you put in your mouth, um, because that will predict what you what your health will be at any given time, but particularly in, in old age. And, you know, I've got a lot of my peers in their 60s and some younger, particularly those that I played uh, sport with, who've had knee replacements, hip replacements. Um, you know, they've got arthritic conditions. They've got, you know, ill health in, in a number of ways. And a lot of them assume that it's a part of their sporting life that caused that or it's just a, a factor of getting old. And I think we've come to accept and I think we've got a health system which is far from a health system, it's, you know, it's managing ill health um, that has led us to believe that it's just what you have to expect as you get older, that you're going to have these ailments. And I thought to myself, and I can't say what I thought to myself on, on air, but I thought, <laughs> blow that, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to sit back and allow that to happen, happen to me and I certainly don't want to die at 64 like our our father did so i elected to do something about it. it it's interesting you mentioned two really interesting things there modern illnesses yes which is you know a lot of people may not put two and two together mm. that all these things uh, you know colossal levels of diabetes yes and, and heart disease being the number one killer in this country yes both diet related illnesses absolutely and just this i mean it's not you know a double double blind placebo kind of test but just the anecdotal of, of you saying people that you play the same level of cricket as you on the same tours playing the same hours now with new hips and mm. knee, knee replacements and stuff and and yet you don't have these things yeah and, and i mean i i don't claim to be um any sort of guru but you know i our father dying when i was 35 years of age was a huge wake-up call for me it wouldn't and, be to uh, anyone and I just thought, well, wow, this is, I don't believe that it was something that he was predestined for. I believed that it was lifestyle and the more stuff that I read and the more people that I spoke to, the more convinced I was. And, you know, again, I've been somebody in life who's, you know, I get anxious and I get um, worried in, uh, you know, about things and the, and the future and I learned very early on with my cricket, just don't worry about the, the things that might go wrong. Focus on the things that you can do to make things go right. And so I, I took that into my lifestyle of, you know, I thought, well, what can I do to minimise the the chance of getting illness when I'm, I'm older? I'm, I'm not living, you know, people, friends have given me a hard time over my diet choices. Um, I was going to say, because, like, cricket is one of the most – it's it's you were at this time of cricket where you were the supermen of our society. I remember looking at you on television, like you may as well have been Clark Kent. You know these those uh, World Series cricket nights when I was a yes. kid. You were like the macho men. You were the, what is all that was masculine about about Australian men. Oh, it was, it was a very masculine, macho um, environment, lifestyle. If it wasn't meat, it wasn't a meal. And I I grew up thinking that. You know, I mean. I, vegetables yeah i mean that's not going to fill me up um you know so that and, and my friends were quite challenged by my choices and i think in some cases confronted by my my choices and and much as the same with with writing the book when when the publisher came to me because i'd been interviewed for the sydney morning herald newspaper and 
talked about my my choices and uh, a publisher came to me and said would you know we'd like you to write a book about it and I'd you know I'd been involved with a few vegetarian societies you know I'd been asked to speak at a few things and as I say I had people wanting me to write the book about veganism and you know sell the idea of veganism and I said no no I don't want to do that I I'm happy to tell my story if somebody gets something out of it that's good you know um but you know, if someone doesn't, if it doesn't appeal and doesn't ring any bells for them, the, the fascinating thing was that after the, that book, you know, we wrote the book, published the book, I did tour to promote the book and, you know, I was travelling around Australia obviously in, in my job. I was still involved in, in cricket. I think I was commentating at, at that stage and travelling interstate. The number of people that came up to me in restaurants and at the cricket grounds and said, oh, thanks for writing that book. When I picked it up, I thought you were writing my life story. You know, number of people my age, guys my age particularly, who could relate to that that story. That had been their life. You know, they'd had the, the post-nasal drip. You know, I, I mean, I thought everyone did because I'd grown up with it, Some stuff running down the back of my throat the whole time and, you know, sore throats regularly up a respiratory infections, ear infections. Every time I swam in a public pool, you could guarantee I was going to come away with an ear infection. Um, now, that wasn't all related to diet, but it was largely related to diet. So when Dad died, you know, I took stock of, well, what do I want when I get older? Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to live forever. Um, I don't necessarily want to live uh, for a long time um, any more than I, and I don't expect to live longer than is perhaps what's genetically designed for me but I reckon what I could stretch out was wellness and the ability to be active I, you know, I've been active all my life and I hope to continue to be active I'm I love ball sports I've played ball sports all my life um, the only one I play now is golf, um, but I, you know, I've got mates same age who can't walk around the golf course anymore. Um, I would hate that. Now, if I choose to take a cart, that's fine, but I would like to have that option, not to be forced into a situation. And, you know, I, I've had mates ten years younger than me who've had to resort to to the golf cart because they're overweight, they've got diabetes or something similar, they're struggling with gout, and I mean, I, you know, I don't make any comment about it um, I'm just staggered that they haven't worked out for themselves that they weren't predestined to have gout they weren't predestined to be obese they weren't predestined to have diabetes you know they've brought it upon themselves um, but they're quite happy to go off to the doctor and get a you know handful of pills to to take for the rest of their life I couldn't imagine anything worse you know I'm, I do take pills but they're generally um, you know, vitamins and minerals that I'm happy to, to take as an ad additive to my um, to my diet. But um, I saw my mother who only passed away a couple of years ago, um, just under two years ago at almost 92 years of age. Um, but she spent the last 20 years of her life probably taking 30 tablets a day, um, you know, one for this and one for that and one for something else and one to counteract the side effects of the other one. And, you know, again, I, I didn't want that to be my life uh, in the latter stages of, of my life. And, you know, we've got grandchildren now and, um, you know, I love running around with the kids, kicking a ball and throwing a ball and chasing them and being able to be active enough to, to join in games with them. And I hope to do that for, for many years to come. And if there's any goal that I could say about my own health, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I'm, I look at my own father and eight, eight stairs is his mortal enemy, mm. eight, <laughs> you know, and he's like, are there going to be stairs at this restaurant? Yes, Dad, there are, you mm. know, and uh, it's – could we talk about cricket for, for a little yeah, – for sure. a tiny little bit? Um, I was interesting because I know you do work a lot with the development of, of cricket internationally mm. all over the world. Yep. What do you tell the players, the younger players that you're working with about nutrition? Um, we, we've got, certainly I work with Cricket Australia, our you know, national body, um, so working with young athletes all the time. We've got nutritionists who work here and, and talk to them a lot about nutrition. A far cry from the sandwich platters at Lords, I'm sure. A far cry. I mean, at least they're getting the information. Um, with, you know, I, I'm um, dismayed to some degree that 
the information is very, um, I think, probably narrow is, is the word I would, would use. And I, and I certainly don't want to denigrate some wonderful people and some wonderful professionals in, in their business, but perhaps the system uh, that, that brings them out is, um, is limited because uh, it's high on dairy products. Uh, it's high on animal protein. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't. Yeah, you know, I, I think there should be more uh, information made available about uh, other options. Um, but you know, at least they're getting more information than than our generation got. And perhaps you know, one thing I've learned about a whole lot of things in life, one of the few advantages of living this long, is that you know you learn a fair bit of stuff. And um, you know, I've learned that everybody's got to come to their own conclusions in in life i mean all you can do is put information out in front of them and live your own life and perhaps as as an example and, and people do notice that i eat differently from from everyone else and they do ask questions but unless they're ready for it i mean if someone had said to me even at 26 years of age that i should get off dairy products um i probably wouldn't have been interested but at 27 years of age uh, the time was right and and i got the right piece of information that hit home to me at, at that time. I'd probably seen, I'd probably had other chances. There'd been other bits of information that should have rung bells for me before that, but I wasn't ready for it. And as a coach, you know, you see that with the athletes, you know, that um, all you can do is provide the information. Those who are ready for it will take it up. Those who aren't ready for it, it won't mean it, it could be a foreign language. It might just as well be because it won't ring any bells. And so I think, you know, I've learned that um, you know, it's interesting our daughter's, you know, in her mid-30s now and, I mean, she railed and she was a teenager when we went to a pure vegetarian diet and, I mean, we forced it on on the kids, I suppose, uh, <laughs> to, to some degree. Um, and, you know, she as a teenager at the time railed against it but now she's, you know, full-on um, vegan and um, almost, you know, giving me my own medicine back. Um, so, you know, I've learned from trial and error and, and by making mistakes and that's the way we learn as human beings, I suppose, is to make mistakes. But, you know, you can't force anything onto anyone and uh, all you can do is, is if you believe in something is to, you know, live that as an example and if someone's interested, they'll make inquiries. I certainly don't say to anyone that they should be following a pure vegetarian diet and, and and I don't always follow a pure vegetarian diet these days myself because travelling the world as I do um, and travelling a lot, it's it's difficult to get the food that I like and the food that I, that I want and um, I made a decision some years ago when I was living in India because, you know, funnily enough, it's almost the home of vegetarianism but most of their vegetarian food is based on dairy, mm -hmm. you know, with ghee and uh, cooking in ghee and butter and other other things and cottage cheese you know is big in the in the indian diet so it was actually very difficult to get pure vegetarian food when i was living when we were both living in in india so i made the choice and and socially you're almost a leper uh in some quarters um because people just get confronted by the fact you know and we've got friends who have absolutely dived in and you know said look you know come over we know you're a vegan what can you eat what would you like and you know they'll go online and and look up menus that and things that they can cook for us others just find it all too hard mm -hmm. and they don't want to know so either we eat before we go or we just don't go or we just don't get invited and you know so socially it was difficult because uh, you know in the life that i in the business sort of life that I lead, you know, I go out a lot. I'm yeah. traveling a lot. Um, so I, you know, I have to make the, the choice, but, you know, I've got to the, I go back to the original information that I learned that that, you know, 80, 20 rule at home, we probably eat, you know, more than 90% of our meals are, are pure vegetarian. Um, when I go out, I'm happy occasionally just to fit in. I tend to be fussy. You know, I'll have, have a bit of fish. Mm -hmm. um, I'll have the odd piece of red meat provided it's, it's grass-fed. Um, if it's not grass-fed, I'm not not too interested. Um, and I'm I'm quite happy with that, and I I live quite comfortably with that. Um, 
I get a lecture from our daughter every now and then, but uh, <laughs> but she's coming more from the animal cruelty side of things. It is I, it is so much a personal. It's a personal line. Once you say I don't want to eat animal products, then it's like, well, so much of modern society has animal products, and yes. where do you draw that line? And it's and for me, it's always been a personal personal line. Yeah. My youngest brother will be very upset with me if I don't discuss this next topic with you. Greg Chappell, what is the state of backyard cricket in this country? It's almost uh, dead and buried, I think. Um, the backyard is gone. Um, you know, developers have come in and built, um, you know, developed the backyard. Um, real estate's become so expensive, people haven't got big blocks anymore. The, um, the young kids of today haven't got those natural environments to learn not only cricket but other other things just having adventures climbing trees and falling out of trees and climbing fences and things that we did um, just as a matter of course because we just did it there I mean there there wasn't television let alone computers so if we wanted to be entertained it was generally outside the house and in our case it was with bats and balls and uh, sport generally was a big part of our our life so we we had the almost the perfect upbringing for a sporting family and I had an older brother who was the trailblazer and the bloke who beat up on me when I was a young kid that teach me to you know find some coping skills and learn to compete and do all those things I think it's a huge problem for society let alone for, for sport I think in in this country uh, the the talent pool is getting shallower and shallower because kids aren't drawn to the the major sports the you know and i and i know it's the case in north america that um the traditional sports are struggling to to get kids and keep kids you know they're going off to extreme sports they're gaming on their computers they're uh, they're going off to different sports there's so many more sports available to kids these days that the traditional sports don't have the you know the the sole right to uh, to talent anymore and so We've all got to be a little bit smarter and I think, you know, what what cricket didn't realise and I think many sports didn't realise is when the backyard dried up, a lot of the natural environments where kids learnt some really important um, components of, of, of their sport went with it and in cricket we didn't replace that environment and we we're only just starting to realise that there were, it actually was a system and there was a structure. It wasn't totally unstructured, the play was unstructured but there was a system there that nurtured the development of talent and uh, we lost that and, and the, the environments that went with it and we replaced it with a totally unnatural environment and totally structured training that is not compatible with developing talent. Not only sports skills, but I would say, as you mentioned, the experiences you had with your brothers, as I did mine, mm. coping skills yes. and competitiveness and getting back up and, <laughs> off the ground. And, and the general um, fitness and resilience, you know, the, the physical resilience from being on your legs all day and yeah. running and jumping and climbing and falling down and realising that you can hurt yourself. You know, we, and I understand, you know, society's changed and I have, you know, we have two grandchildren. Um, you know, I, I saw our three adult children grow up and they probably spent 50% less time outdoors than we did. And their children are going to spend 50% less time outdoors than they did. You know, we're seeing in, in modern sport uh, a lot more soft tissue injuries. We're seeing, um, you know, a lot more injuries generally. <clears throat> and I, th I have no doubt, I mean, it's not, again, no double-blind study, but, you know, I've seen enough over the years to realise that, you know, we had an inbuilt resilience because we walked everywhere, we rode bikes if we weren't walking. We ran and jumped and climbed and, you know, went all day. I mean, we'd get up as soon as it was daylight. Um, we might have breakfast. We might not. Often we didn't. And we'd be gone all day and our parents didn't worry about us because we knew they knew we'd be in the general vicinity mm -hmm. and we'd either be at, with these neighbours or those neighbours or we'd be around the corner at the park with a whole bunch of neighbourhood kids. And if we weren't at that park, we'd be at a bigger park down in the next suburb where there'd be more kids. And, you know, we had main roads nearby and we had to work out how to cross the road without getting run over and riding our bikes without helmets. Um, you yeah, know, not getting, not getting ourselves hurt and um, 
parents today don't, you know, don't allow that, um, maybe for very good reasons. You know, the, the cities are more built up. There's more traffic. There's more cars on the road, so there's more danger. There's, we're more aware of stranger danger and pedophiles and things that um, I'd never heard of as I was growing up. Um, we talked to anyone and went anywhere and thankfully didn't, didn't, uh, didn't get into trouble, but we were involved with sport the, the whole time. Um, so I, you know, I never, I, I was very lucky. I didn't have soft tissue injuries. I had had very few injuries in my, my sporting career, but I work with young sportsmen every day, and and I can't believe the number of injuries that are constant. Now maybe we, because there was no physiotherapist travelling with the team, if you had a sore spot, you just got on with it. Um, maybe rubbed it yourself, and you went out and ran around for a while until it sort of loosened up, and then you you got on with it. Because we've got a system the way we have got a system, if, if, if a young player's hurting, he reports to the physiotherapist, the physiotherapist is duty-bound to treat him conservatively because of the, the expectations of, of him and because of the legal requirements and all of the other things that go with it. They have, you know that they will treat that injured person conservatively. Now, I, again, we're very lucky. We've got some terrific physios that work in the system and, and they are very conscious of getting them back on the park as, as soon as they can. But I think, you know, if I'd been in this system, I would have learned very early on that unless it was serious, don't go to the physio. <laughs> Look after it yourself the best you, best you can. It's interesting what you say about backyard sizes and, and that being the feeder into the, the, the lower level clubs, into the schools mm -hmm. and that, that, that. So it would be remiss of me if I didn't extend an open-ended invitation for you to come and visit my brother's cricket ground in his backyard. Oh, really? <laughs> he has a full-size pitch diagonally across the back of his Queenslander. Okay. He's got a roller. He cares for it. He, uh, he curates it. His flatmate was a groundskeeper at the Gabba okay. for a while. They've got it netted. It's floodlit. This game's every Sunday. Oh, good. Well, I hope they get some of the neighbourhood kids in to play some games as well because it is a very important part of the development process and uh, we need to find ways of replacing those backyards and, and the unstructured play. I mean, there were no coaches. There were no parents interfering. You know, we went out and played amongst ourselves, argued about whether you were out or you're not out and um, you know, made up our own rules. Oh, yeah. And that, that was an important part of the learning process because what we know about champions is that they think better, they pick up the cues and clues better, they make better decisions. Um, they don't necessarily have more talent. They've just learnt how to handle themselves in that environment and what it takes to be successful in that environment. And, you know, we're one of the few sports that I know of where we actually train in a totally different environment to that which we play in and um, we wonder why we're not producing as many champions as, as the old structure threw up. I can't thank you enough for your time. It's been great to speak with you today. Pleasure. Greg. Thanks, brother. I'm going to take your photo. My pleasure. I might turn some lights on. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my chat with Greg Chappell. Pretty amazing, right? Uh, you can find his books on Amazon.com and... Um, yeah, follow along with his uh, his journey. He's going to be with us for quite a while, I'd imagine. Judging by the way uh, he's talking there, he's quite intent on not going anywhere and taking care of himself. He honestly, he's as he said, he's sixty six, but he, he he moves like he's in his early fifties, if that. He's still very very agile, very very sprightly, um, and only a, it was really full on actually it's quite confronting because he's only a few years younger than my dad and watching the difference between the two of them I'm not like one of them is an international sporting legend and the other one's my dad um, and they're both legends in their own right my father's incredible at what he does but it's not being active and I know he wouldn't mind me saying that <laughs> um, thanks heaps for listening this is just awesome that you're a part of this we're only a few weeks away from the first anniversary show i'd really love your input into that show even if you just want to send a message about the show send osher email at gmail.com or you can find me on facebook but i'd particularly love it if you could just send me a message uh via the voicemail app that's on my website osherginsburg.com just pop in there send me a voicemail and um it doesn't have to be a question it just can be a comment it can be anything it'd be ace to hear from you to make you a part of that anniversary show Thank you so much. I am off to my last day of school. Last day of school. 
I'm going to miss everyone. I really am. Okay. Sleep well. Dream of beautiful things. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gays wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com <laughs> 